on the whole, I've been a saint to those poor, unfortunate souls. Hello there. Happy spring. Happy Easter. And welcome to a very special bonus episode of Poor Unfortunate Podcast. I'm Caroline Ametti. And I'm Connor Perkins. So we're sort of breaking, you know, the rules, but I guess, like, what even are the rules? Because we've only done one season. But (laughs) we're starting season two with a bonus episode. So this is your little teaser of what's to come. Yeah. And, you know, just to say that we're still thinking about you. (laughs) (laughs) We also can't resist a holiday and a theme, so here we are. We can't resist a holiday, we can't resist a theme, we can't resist a time to, like, you know, do something funky with our artwork. So, you know, (laughs) that's what this is. So, Caroline and I, we both, you know, have grown up Catholic, and so (laughs) Easter is a big holiday, you know, for us. I don't know if your family did this, but, I mean, my family, we did Easter baskets and everything like that. So, what's your favorite, like, Easter candy that you would get in your Easter basket if you got one. Yeah, this is a little bit of an unpopular opinion, but I really love Peeps. Not necessarily for the taste. I love marshmallows, but just the aesthetic of Peeps to me, I love them. Um, (laughs) Did you hear that they came out with a Pepsi Peeps collaboration? I need to get my hands on that. Like, I would 100% drink that. (laughs) But... (laughs) But which which shape peeps? The traditional chick or the bunnies? Traditional chick. Yeah. What color? Traditional chick in yellow. Yes. Or bunny in pink. But I also love blue. So listen, no peep is a bad peep. Okay? <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> what about you? What did you get in your basket? I still get baskets, by the way. I am a child. My mom I know, I makes know. me baskets. I mean, I usually my family, we give up... Uh, like chocolate each year. I didn't give up chocolate this year. But one of the big things that like my mom and my sisters make, they make homemade um, candied (gasps) Easter eggs. I have been lucky enough to receive some of these. These are pretty tasty. They're so good. Mm. Yeah, they make like peanut butter ones, coconut, fruit and nut. Sometimes they've made mint, buttercream. They're really good. So I love getting those. But I also have to say, I don't know if you got these, they're the little like egg cartons of gum. <gasps> oh, you, the, the ones yeah. that like lose their flavor in like seven seconds. Yeah, but they, the fact that they come in the carton so, though, yeah, they're so fun because I just like pour out all twelve of them and just shove them all in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, there's something else I really like. Okay, in terms of taste, this is better. I love the robin, the robin eggs that are like the malted milk balls, but they look like little like robin oh, eggs. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because just because, again, the aesthetic, mm, mm, love those. Those are fun. So on the topic of Easter and Easter baskets and Easter fun, you know, one of the Easter traditions is the Easter egg hunt. Mm-hmm. So Caroline had the brilliant idea of doing our own Easter egg hunt with you all. So this bonus episode, we are going to be going through 10 of some of our favorite Easter eggs that are in Disney movies and in Disney parks. So these aren't our favorite ones. These are some of our favorites. We have so many Easter eggs that we love. We'll be back next year with the rest. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So we're going to start by going through our Disney movies. I have three Easter eggs that I'm going to holler out, Mm -hmm. and Caroline has two. Mm -hmm. So I'll start. Yeah, do it. 
this first one, this is one that I, you know, fully didn't know or see on my own. But ever since I did, you know, some like research online, just like looking through some other ones, because that's how I spend my time ever since I perused and found it. it I don't know. It's just like really touched my little heart. Um, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. So in 2012's Wreck-It Ralph, you know, we enter the video game world in an arcade and follow Ralph, who is the villain of the classic game Fix-It Felix Jr. on his quest to be a hero. So in one of the shots of the game from, you know, the user's perspective in the arcade, you get to see the full 8-bit game in all of its glory as he's sort of narrating over, you know, how his relationship is with the Nicelanders and, and all of that. Um... At the top of the screen, though, you get to see the high score for the game, and it is listed as 120,501 points, which is Walt Disney's birthday, December 5th, 1901. So 12501. So I love that. And then according to Lunar Archivist, who I found on the ragingfanboy.wordpress.com. Oh, baby, baby. (laughs) (laughs) um, On the DVD, the Fix-It Felix Jr. game menu doubles as the DVD menu, which is really cool. So you get to see the high score listed again. But this time, however, the high score has changed, and it's 110,212, which was the film's theatrical release date, November 12, 2012. So I don't know. I thought that was, like, really fun and really cute. And just, I don't know, to see them just do that little... Walt Disney's birthday thing. I don't know. That made my little heartstrings go. You pump. also have a little so. soft spot in your heart for Wreck It Ralph. I really do. Yeah. I, I have a. I have a. I have a big soft spot. Yeah, in my you heart love for that. That, that movie. I love. I love me some Ralph. Oh, yeah. You showed that to me first. I watched. it. I did, first. and you were not as impressed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so one of my favorite film Easter eggs is the fact that the Pizza Planet truck, originally, of course, seen in Toy Story appears throughout every Pixar film to date except The Incredibles. So I think the Pizza Planet truck is really fun because in and of itself, it's got some Easter eggs. So the license plate is RES1536, which I mean, this is super niche, but the original Toy Story's resolution was rendered at a resolution of 1536 by 922. So 1536, like totally nerdy. Love that. Wow. There's also- (laughs) so nerdy. So nerdy. There's also a bumper sticker on the back that reads, how's my driving? Ha, 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 ha. I don't really get it, but <laughs> but <laughs> the cool thing is a similar sticker appears on a Marine Life Institute fish truck in Finding Dory. Why? I don't know, but you know. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. I'm very, I've said this in previous episodes, I'm very excited by the whole, you know, theory of every Pixar movie happening on, you know, the same timeline. I'm obsessed. Obsessed. Um, yeah, I feel like that's, that's going to have hint. to be a full episode. Yes, please. In the future <gasps> where yes. you just go into that. Yeah. So, you know, I have a gathering of all of the spots that it comes up. I'll talk about some of the interesting ones. And if there's one you want to hear about, Connor, you let me know. But for example, it would be it would be difficult, you would think, to slip the Pizza Planet truck into Brave, right? But um, when Merida is meeting the witch in her little cottage cabin thing, the witch has a wooden carving of the Pizza Planet truck. On her table. Yeah, the woodcarver's cottage was literally just like that. That was the gift. They shoved all of their Easter yes, eggs exactly, in that exactly. like scene. It's so great. They're like, do them all quick. Yeah, exactly. Um, most recently in Seoul, as Joe and 22 enter the Hall of Everything, 
um, look on the left as like the camera is behind them as they're walking and look on your left and there's the pizza planet truck. So, you know, if somebody's, you know, spark is pizza, the pizza planet truck is for them. Um, name another movie. Which one do you want to hear about? Sue Ratatouille. Mm, okay. So in Ratatouille, as Skinner is chasing Remy through the streets of Paris, this one's a little bit trickier to catch. The truck is going by on a bridge to the left of the screen as we're kind of behind Skinner for a moment as he's chasing Remy. There's a little bridge uh-huh. and the truck is on the bridge. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And then what about the good dinosaur? This one I actually looked at and was tricky for me to figure out, and I haven't quite figured it out yet. But there is a point in The Good Dinosaur where there is a rock structure, and apparently there's a very abstract truck in like made out of rocks in the rock structure. I looked <laughs> at right. the screen cap. I'll send it to you. I couldn't spot it. I'm not going to lie to you. But <laughs> apparently that's what the animators have confirmed, so it's there. <laughs> what about Inside Out? So in Inside Out, these are very tricky to spot. You're going to have to do some pausing if you want to catch these. So actually, it appears two different times in two different memory orbs. So once while Joy is chasing Bing Bong, it's in a memory orb. And then the one that's a little tiny bit easier to catch is when Joy, Bing Bong, and Sadness finally reach the train of thought. It's in one of the memory orbs there. God, I love that effing movie. Mm. Mm. In A Bug's Life, the truck is to the left of the trailer home that stands over Bug City. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting because that's the second time that it appears next to a trailer home because it also does in Monsters, Inc. Yeah, that's like part of the Pixar theory, I think. Is yeah, like the trailer exactly. from Monsters, <gasps> Inc. where Randall ends up yeah. is the same trailer from Bug's Life. Oh, my God, man. I'm obsessed. Yeah. We'll talk more about that. Amazing. Amazing. Cool. So my next Easter egg that I have for you, this is, you know, I think a pretty common Easter egg that a lot of people may know, but it's one of my favorites. So I'm mm. going to talk about it. Tell us. So Beauty and the Beast was a long time in the making. Walt Disney himself had attempted to adapt the story multiple times before his death, and he could never figure out how to make it work. Mm. So the project was dropped only to be picked up years later during work on Who Framed Roger Rabbit in 1987. It became the first Disney animated film to use a screenwriter, developing the story through script and not storyboards, Mm. which is the usual route for animation. Mm -hmm. The project passed through many different evolutions from a non-musical film to the masterpiece that we know and love today. And throughout the process, one of the more difficult tasks was finding the design for the Beast. So Mm. Glenn Keane... Legend Glenn Keane, who was the supervising animator Ugh. for The Beast, for Ariel, for Aladdin, like Professor Radigan. Oh, <laughs> your boy. God. Um, he went through many different versions of The Beast before landing on the final design. But the scrapped designs live on in the movie. So as you watch the film, pay close attention to the castle architecture as many of the statues and gargoyles Mm -hmm. in the movie are these older designs for the beast. So it's especially noticeable in the wide shots of the entrance hall. And as Belle walks up the steps to the West Wing and you get a look at the statues that sort of appear to be holding the columns up in those those alcoves that are there. Mm Um, you can see some of those previous designs of the Beast. So I feel like a lot of people know that one. I but, forgot you know, about that one. If you don't, that's good. It's it's great. It's it's just like a fun. It's just like a fun little thing. And I was you know in preparation, I was like rewatching those parts of the movie, and I'm just like, 
damn, the attention to detail in that movie is stunning. I mean, they even have the girl with the pearl earring painting. They do? Oh, yeah, yeah. In one of the halls when they're doing the tour. Get out. They have the painting of the the girl with the pearl earring hanging on one of the walls. So, I mean, there's your second, there's a little bonus. Yeah, there you go. Oh, wow. That's amazing. That movie is exquisite. So, but I love that. I love that. I love that the process lives in the movie Mm. and that Disney isn't, doesn't shy away from doing that. I like that a lot. Yeah. You know, that's actually a great segue into my next one in terms of the process living in the movie. Another thing I love is when, the directors or animators of these films make cameos in their own movies. So two of the kings of that are Ron Clements and John Musker. They love making cameos in their movies. They do. They do. If you're looking for them, um, John Musker is usually tall and like lanky and he's got like an exaggerated nose. And Ron Clements is usually shorter and rounder, usually with reddish hair. So their first movie that they debuted in was Aladdin. And so they're in the marketplace when Aladdin meets Prince Ahmed. Um, so again, look for some a guy who's shorter with um, with orangey hair, like right to the left of Aladdin, and you will see them. Then they appeared in Hercules as construction workers, obsessed. Mm-hmm. Um, then in Treasure Planet, these are fun. Um, Clements is a robot. Yes. But you can tell it's him. I know this sounds strange, but you look at it and you can tell it's him. Um, and John Musker is this furry, otherworldly creature, and they're both working on ladders. Um, and then in The Princess and the Frog, yes, they appear I love twice. This one. Yeah. <laughs> so originally, they were caricatured by the animators to be the Fenner brothers, but then they they went back on that idea. They felt it was a little a little much. But when the brothers get covered in cake at Charlotte's party, they turn into a caricature of Musker and Clements with the frosting. So a beard and nose is cre- and a nose are created to turn the Fenner brothers into Musker and Clements for a moment. That one is. Happens fast, and you've got to have a, yeah, a pretty keen eye yeah, for that. Yeah, that's a fun one. But then, um, during the Mardi Gras parade, yeah. they are throwing beads in fish costumes. <laughs> yeah. If you zoom in on that, it's so it's funny. So fun. It's just their little faces poking out of the costumes. I know. You can see them poking through the little costumes. It's so good. <laughs> so funny. And then finally, they are in Moana. They are part of a pattern on a tapas cloth that's hung up at the beginning of the movie. Um. A couple of other directors do this. Kirk Weiss and Gary Truesdale, um, the directors of Hunchback, mm-hmm. are there in the Feast of Fools, dressed up as a lobster and a chef in a pot. Yep. <laughs> I just love how kitschy these are. I um, know. <laughs> and then in, they're in Atlantis as well, helping pilot the Ulysses submarine. Um, Tangled directors Nathan Greeno and Byron Howard are two of the uh, quote-unquote thugs in The Snuggly Duckling, and they provided the voices for those two as well. And then Mulan directors Tony Bancroft and Barry Cook are firework technicians in the Emperor's Palace in Mulan. (laughs) I love that. Hilarious. So my last Disney Easter egg for you for this bonus episode from Disney Movies. A lot of people don't give this movie the time of day, but it will always hold a special place in my heart. 1985's The Black Cauldron, which is based off of Lloyd Alexander's (laughs) Chronicles of Prydain. It's a fantasy adventure, for any of you who don't know, it's a fantasy adventure that follows a young boy named Taryn as he and his ragtag team of new friends, Princess Elanwi, Fluterflam, and Gurgi, seek the <laughs> mysterious Black Cauldron to stop the evil horned king from finding it 
and subsequently, you know, raising an army of the dead to take over the world. You know, you whatever. Know. Like, as one does. <laughs> Which also, if you read the books that this is based off of, The Black Cauldron is this combination of many of the books. And, like, mm-hmm. some of the events that happen in there, like, don't actually happen. And, it's like, <laughs> characters are – it's it's all over the place. But for what it is, I love it. Yeah. So, you know, fight me. Um but at one point in the movie, the group find themselves trapped in a whirlpool that sucks them down beneath a lake into the underground land of the fair folk who they're there with their king, King Eidolig. Mm-hmm. So when they are discovered and they're known to be friendly, many of the fair folk start to appear to them. And it like plays this music where it's like, dun, 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 <laughs> I love this movie. I love it. Oh, um, yeah. So all the fairies are like coming up and they're like rising up from the bottom. And in, they're all glowing different colors and shit. And one of them between Taryn and Princess Alonwi is a very familiar yellow greenish type color with a tight yellow bun it's our girl tinkerbell who makes like a really really brief little appearance among the fair folk so i mean i don't know how she got to idol eggs domain (laughs) i don't know how pixie hollow was just like yeah you can you know cross universes i I don't i don't know maybe that's some other theory for us to unwrap who knows the the fairy universe (laughs) yeah but i love that because i love that even an obscure movie like yeah, The Black yeah. Effing Cauldron has an <laughs> Easter egg in it to like one of the most beloved Disney movies yeah, ever made. I love that too. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't allowed to watch that for the longest time when I was growing up. Oh, I'm sorry. My parents deemed it too scary. Well, they're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I know. The first time I watched it, I was like, oh shit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, it can get pretty yeah. scary. Okay, moving on to some Disney Parks Easter eggs. So I'm going to start by talking about one of my favorite places in both Disney World and Disneyland, Trader Sam's. I am so obsessed with Trader Sam's. If you do not know, (laughs) it's a tiki bar. Um, There are two different versions of it. We've got Trader Sam's Enchanted Tiki Bar at the Disneyland Hotel in Disneyland, California. And then we have Trader Sam's Grog Grotto in Disney World at the Polynesian Resort. So the backstory for both of them is the same. Trader Sam is the head salesman character from The Jungle Cruise. Both locations are just like one giant Easter egg. Because first of all, ordering specific drinks at the bar activates certain special effects in the place itself. So for example, if you order the Mosquito Mojito, (laughs) the sound of mosquitoes will play inside the bar and the skipper, the bartender... Um, we'll run around with a fly swatter, pretending to swat flies. <laughs> if you order the shrunken zombie head, the room will go dark, the shrunken heads around the bar will glow, and ghostly music will play. Like, please take me there um, right now. I got so excited when I was reading about this. I've only been there once. I went to the Grog Grotto, and this is always the deal with Trader Sam's. It is always crowded. So the only spot that we could get was outside on the patio, which, like, you still get nice, like, you know, tiki vibes, but it's not the same. It's not the same experience at all. Yeah. But another fun thing going on there, and I'll I'll focus on the Grog Grotto, which I've seen the interior of at least. It is filled with tons of fun artifacts. So first of all, speaking of the shrunken zombie head cocktail, the mug um, is modeled after the leering head mold from the Haunted Mansion, which was used for Ezra and the Hatbox Ghost. 
Um, if you look around inside the Grog Grotto, there is a life preserver on the wall that says Vesta Gruppen, and that's a leftover piece of the Maelstrom from the Maelstrom ride that is no longer. Uh, why would you Why would you invoke the Maelstrom? Oh, I'm going to again. I'm so sorry. Prepare yourself emotionally uh. now. I'm so sorry. There are car keys hanging over the counter that say J. Thaddeus Toad on them. So, you know, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, little reference there. And if you look around, Sam has a lot of books in the space, and one of them is called Lava, the Songs of Hawaii, referencing the lava short. So there, there's tons of other things. Um, the Tiki Bar in Disneyland is filled with even more little Easter eggs. It's incredible. I could talk about Trader Sam's forever. And side note, if anybody's in Florida and can get me the Trader Sam's cocktail um, women's tank top, I'll do anything you want. <laughs> Well, speaking of Mr. Toad. Oh, okay. My next Easter egg that I have for you is about Mr. Toad's wild ride in the Magic Kingdom. Mm. So, in Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom, Mr. Toad's wild ride remained a classic dark ride in Fantasyland from opening day until it abruptly closed mm. in 1998. Like, they closed this thing with, like, two weeks' notice, and people freaked out wow, yep, because yep, yep. people loved it. So in this ride, if you're not familiar with it, a lot of Disney World goers may not have ever experienced this ride. I never got to ride it. The only version that I've ridden on is on YouTube from <laughs> Disneyland. But, I went on it last time I went to Disneyland. I went on it um, by myself because I forget the group I was with was going on a scary ride that I was too scared to go on. So I went on it alone. And um, there are some disturbing things. I was disturbed. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, because <laughs> you in go that, to hell. Yeah. In that one, you go to hell. Yeah. Oh, my God. This one, <laughs> for those of you who don't know, it's based on the adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Mm. So you follow Mr. Toad from the Wind in the Willows. And you hop aboard one of his motor cars at the stately manor of Toad Hall. And you travel through his zany story. So the Magic Kingdom version of the ride altered some of the design from the original ride, which is still in Disneyland, California. One of the cool things about it was there were two boarding areas to it. So yeah. you had slightly different experiences depending upon which side you boarded on. So like That's the first fun. one would board in the trophy room and the other one I think would board in like the banquet hall or something like that. But one of the cool things is like it wasn't a thrill ride, but it would have moments where it would like speed up and then it would Mm -hmm. like be about to hit something and then the thing would just like move or you'd like hit a turn really fast. They'd even have moments where because they had two tracks running at the same time, they would have the cars going towards each other like you were about to collide to give you that sort of like Mm. sensation so you know it was really popular but unfortunately the ride closed and about a year later it was replaced with the many adventures of winnie the pooh which is a great ride (laughs) love it it's a great ride like we love it it's unfortunate that mr toad had to in order for us Mm -hmm. to get some winnie the pooh Mm -hmm. but while replaced, Mr. Toad is not forgotten because in the current ride of The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, as you f- pass through Owl's house, if you look on the walls, you will see a painting hanging there. And it's Mr. Toad handing over the deed to Toad Hall 
to owl. So it's a nice little Cutie. little nod Cute. there. But that's not it because if you make your way to Liberty Square and you go into the Haunted Mansion and you enjoy that ride and then as you're coming out they have the pet cemetery which is on your left where mm. they have like a bunch of like funny things for animals who have, you know, died, you know, morbid fun humor. Mm. But if you look all the way up to the back, and sometimes it's a little bit hard to see, but all the way like up the hill to the back, there is a statue of Mr. Toad. What? Yeah. Didn't so know that. So he joined the pet cemetery. Because oh, he, no. I guess he just rode that motor car a little too <laughs> hard and he went to hell and he didn't make it back. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So he's he's oh. never really dead, though, because, I mean, he lives in our hearts forever. Does he? Mr. Toad, a true queen. <laughs> My next uh, Parks Easter egg does talk about the Haunted Mansion as well a little bit. We'll get there. But connecting it to my previous Trader Sam's Easter egg, there is an audio animatronic in the Grog Grotto named Uh-Oh. And she briefly lived in the Enchanted Tiki Room under new management. She did. Which people did not enjoy. And once an Iago animatronic burst into flames, they closed it and, you know, new people were angry and decided to bring it back to its pretty much original form. So they took the uh uh-oh animatronic and put her inside the Grog Grotto. And so if you order the cocktail named after her, she will wake up for a few seconds. I think that's pretty cool. I love her in... Enchanted Tiki Room under new management. I love that part. Like I don't, I don't remember it a lot. I think I liked it. <sighs> that was when, you know, Iago starts insulting the the tiki gods. Yeah, and right. then they wake up and then you got the and they're like on right. the thing Uh-oh, there, gets and they really pissed. Her, yeah. And she pops out of the centerpiece yeah. in the middle and she's like, Rah! Oh yeah, she's scary. It's so cool. Oh yeah, she's a little scary. They gave her a nice little paint job for the Grog Grotto. Like she's got all of this like glow in the dark paint on her now. She looks cool. Yeah. So, yeah, if you couldn't tell, one of my favorite Easter eggs is the reuse of audio animatronics. So that's a little bit more literal, taking the audio animatronic and putting it somewhere else. Which, also speaking of the Maelstrom, if you are writing Frozen Ever After, which used to be the home of the Maelstrom, look around towards the end of the ride and you will see some puffin animatronics left from the beloved Maelstrom. Um, no more skinny polar bears, but the, the puffins did make it to Frozen Ever After. So look out for that. But what I really love, even more than audio animatronics getting literally, you know, moved somewhere else, is when they reuse the molds for different characters in different rides. So, for example, the gravedigger from the Haunted Mansion has the same face mold as the guy on Jungle Cruise who's being chased up a pole by a rhino. Oh. Who knows if that will live during the reefer, but he's there right now. This is what I love. They've reused a couple of the face molds from the Hall of Presidents. So the Andrew Jackson face mold is used in the printing press scene on Spaceship Earth. Also on that ride, Taft's face was used for an Egyptian priest. And Eisenhower's face was used for the mandolin player in the Renaissance. Huh. (laughs) So funny. That's so interesting. Right? Other places this occurs, um, the grandmother in the Carousel of Progress, her entire mold, was used for the old woman in the rocking chair in the ballroom of the Haunted Mansion. That's exactly the same mold, the whole thing. And then the whistling pirate who's trying to get the keys from the dog 
in parts of the Caribbean. He's like a little bit of the stouter, rounder guy. Yeah. He is a bagpipe player in the graveyard of the Haunted Mansion, which makes perfect sense because blowing into the bagpipe and whistling, it's the same facial expression. Your cheeks are all blown up, so they yeah. use the same mold. So I just think those are really fun. Yeah, and I, those are I, cool. I truly never picked up on any of them. So I'm going to look out for that next time I go. I love those. All right. Well, speaking of the Haunted Mansion, that's going to be the subject of my final Easter egg. Yay. If there's one thing that we know about Disney concept artist extraordinaire Mark Davis, it's that he loved chess. So Mark Davis was known to always have a chessboard nearby and he's left nods to his love for the game in many of his designs. For example, like in Empires of the Caribbean, as you're walking through the queue, you mm. look into the cell, there are the two skeletons that are playing chess. And then he made sure that the pieces are set up so that there was a no win scenario so mm. that they'd be in, in a stalemate until the they, until they die. So fun. Um. So like, yeah, I love that sort of thing. But. During the planning and creation of Walt Disney World, Mark Davis was working on a number of projects, including the Haunted Mansion. So for the Magic Kingdom's Haunted Mansion, he was tasked with drafting a new exterior of the building after the success of the Haunted Mansion in Disneyland. So as a nod to his love for chess, Mark Davis integrated the designs of chess pieces into the exterior of the new mansion. So if you look to the roof, you'll see rooks as the chimneys. And then you'll also see integrated into the gables and ornamentation and sort of like various embellishments on the exterior roof area. You'll see pawns, bishops, and queens. Hmm. So, um, you know, there are a couple sort of add-ons, I guess you would say, to this story. So Gary Cruz posted on allears.net an account of what he learned from a guide during a behind-the-scenes tour that sort of talked about this as well, but sort of gave a little bit more background. He writes in his post from 2016 that the final design of the mansion was a result of office pranksters Hmm. moving pieces from Mark Davis's office chess set onto the model of the haunted mansion during breaks and lunches. And Davis, he would always catch that they would do it and put them back to where he had them on the (laughs) chessboard. And then when he went to finalize the design, felt like something was missing and he rearranged the chess pieces onto the roof of the building Mm. to finalize the design. Now, I don't know if that's true. I don't have any way to corroborate that, but I think that's a fun, you know, little story. Another one that some people say is that knights are excluded from the roof because it's always night inside. (laughs) I mean, that's cute. To be honest, I feel like it's probably just an aesthetic choice and to sort of keep the chestness a bit more subtle Mm -hmm, because putting mm -hmm. a fucking horse on the roof would be a little bit too gimmicky for this kind of work. But, you know... That's cute. I love us Disney fans. We're just desperate to make everything something. (laughs) Exactly. But, you know, the Florida mansion, it's gorgeous and perfect. And, you know, this little touch of who Mark Davis is and putting himself Mm. in the work. I don't know. It just makes me have even more respect for it. And I love that. This is why I'm always team team Florida mansion. Always. Mm -hmm. Always I'm with you. I'm with you. 
Well, speaking of the haunted mansion once again, <laughs> this okay. So basically, like we're, we're just, just really we're mansion. really into the transitions today. Um, <laughs> this isn't just about the haunted mansion, but this kind of Easter egg does happen at the haunted mansion. So I again, this is something that I think people know about too. But I love Disney World pavements because they are such a huge part of telling the story of different parts of the Disney parks. So speaking of the haunted mansion, outside of the mansion. There is a wedding ring in the pavement. Um, so obviously some kind of reference to the, you know, the original storyline of Master Gracie and his bride. And it said that, you know, the hatchet bride threw the ring out the window and it landed in the pavement or something. Mm-hmm. But this actually happened because when the Haunted Mansion originally opened, Disney fans were looking at something that had landed in the pavement by accident when they were building it, like just like some piece of equipment or something. And everyone was like, it's a ring. It's it's a wedding ring. And it was right yeah, I outside heard it was of like a exit. piece of like the fencing. Yeah, that exactly. Had, sort of had to be sawed off. Yeah, like, There's a exactly. bunch of different things that people say it was. Yeah. And it was called and it was right outside the exit of the ride. And so it kept causing a traffic jam. So Disney was just like, OK, enough. We're going to like pull up, pull this up and we'll give you guys an actual ring somewhere else. <laughs> so there is something that is now an actual ring in the pavement. Other fun things you can look for. I think the Adventureland pavement is just beautiful. Um, It's filled with like coins and gems and broken tiles. It's just like, it's absolutely gorgeous. Um, Some other favorites of mine, outside Tony's Town Square in Main Street, USA, you can see the heart drawn in the concrete that Lady and the Tramp make in the movie. So cute. They're little paw prints. It's adorable. (laughs) Um, If you go to the Country Bear Jamboree, when you're inside Grizzly Hall, look down Mm -hmm. because the floor is covered in bear claw scratch marks. So fun. Outside of Mission Space in Epcot, this is one, again, is just aesthetically beautiful. Look down and there are beautiful stone and marble planets and asteroids that are laid out almost like a mural. Beautiful. Near the Tower of Terror in Hollywood Studios, you know, Hollywood Studios is mostly just covered in asphalt, like a road, because, you know, you're in Hollywood, you're in L.A., you're driving everywhere. But by the Tower of Terror, the asphalt is worn away in spots to reveal brick and trolley car tracks underneath, which is a little bit of an homage to the Pacific Electric Railway in California. Mm. Um, heading over to Animal Kingdom, outside the Yak and Yeti restaurant, there are a lot of missing bricks on the ground um, that have just been filled in with cement. And it's supposed to be a little bit of a story about the people who own the restaurant um, to show that, you know, that it's a little bit cheaper for them to just fill the holes with concrete. You know, some of the bricks have apparently been stolen or just broken. And these people are just running like, you know, their little mom and pop restaurant and they don't have enough money to replace the bricks. So they just fill it in with cement. So take a look out for that too and finally yeah right it's just such ah such good storytelling and i think this is one we all know about we've probably talked about it before but this is probably the most well-known you know pavement moment is in liberty square in the magic kingdom if you look down there are brown lines running through the red pavement and that is to represent the sewage that used to run through the streets, you know, in colonial times because there was uh, no indoor plumbing. So people would just throw their yeah. shit into the street and it would run down like a beautiful little brown stream. <laughs> yeah, I love that that path is also like a stonier path. So it's got some like fun poopy texture to it. So <laughs> we always find a way you know. to talk about poop here, don't we? We do. And one more thing I forgot to mention, if you're just looking for pure beauty, of course, 
Um, look at the pavement outside Spaceship Earth at night because it's got fiber optics uh, in it, baby, and it's just that's magic. my fa- that's my it's favorite magic. one. And honestly, you know what? There might be people who are going to come at me for this, but you know what? I am really excited about the lights that they're putting onto Spaceship Earth. Mm-hmm. People are like, it's going to change the change the look in the daytime. I'm like. It's going to be so far away, like, you won't be able to see shit. But at night, the whole globe is going to light up, and it's going to mm. – then combined with the fiber optics at night mm. in the pavement, I'm like, it's just going to be full of stars, and it's it's a sky full of stars. Like, it's just going to be amazing. Disney has so never messed up lighting ever. They're real good at that. That's going to be amazing. Yeah. Like, let's, let's trust. Let's trust and let's bless. <laughs> <laughs> what a great Easter message to close out this episode. Just trust and bless. Trust folks. and bless. <laughs> Alrighty. So that's that's the end of our Easter egg bonus episode. Thank you for sticking around with us. We've really enjoyed having you. If you have enjoyed you know, this episode, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe or follow wherever you're listening to the podcast. Helps us reach new folks to find out about our podcast. And then following and subscribing, that just makes sure that all of our episodes, all of our new content, these bonus episodes, which usually we don't announce until like the day of, it'll just make sure it automatically downloads to your device so you never have to miss anything, especially as we gear up for season two And we have the release date for that coming down the line. You don't want to miss it. So just hit the subscribe or follow button. Yes. And we are going to maybe drop some little hints about our second season on social media as well. So come follow us. We are at Unfortunate Pod on Twitter and at Poor Unfortunate Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. So, yeah, we'll be letting you know some updates about season two on there. Also, if you want to connect with some other Disney fans in the meantime, please join us in the Poor Unfortunate Fam, which is our private Facebook group for our listeners. We always have a great time over there. It just, that place warms my heart. We always are taking quizzes, talking to each other. People were sharing Disney trip planning advice in there the other day. And everyone in there is warm and lovely and wonderful. And we would love to keep the fam growing as we go into season two. And then, as I always say, it does take us a little bit of money to keep this podcast up and running and coming to you all. We do have a PayPal account, and it is linked in the episode description, as well as in any of our website links on our social media accounts. Truly, anything that you could spare really goes a long way for us. You can make a donation as low as $1 all the way up to you know, a million dollars if you're feeling particularly <laughs> generous. You can make them monthly donations. You can make it a one-time donation. All of it just goes right back into the podcast and just helps us make sure that we are giving you the content that you want and keeping it free and, for the most part, ad-free. So anything anything that you could spare, we truly, truly appreciate it. All righty. We kicked off season two in a different kind of way, and... We will be back with our full episodes very, very soon. Until next time, Beluga Beluga Savruga. Savruga.